Welcome to episode 144 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring the latest movie news and review of the biggest new release, which this week is Venom. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. How you doing? Um, question for you. Okay. Did you read the Michael B. Jordan profile I tweeted to you this week? No. Okay, neither did I. Oh. So. Do you don't even know if it's any good? I mean, it's probably good. It's probably. Michael B. Jordan. And, uh, anyway. That's 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 more your beat. I'm not into profiles as much. But then you can't, like, throw out interesting little factoids and insights. What's the most interesting factoid you've learned in a GQ, Vanity Fair, whatever profile? Harrison Ford's son has a guy who's staying on his couch who works for Vice News. Okay. Highly specific and pointless. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's the kind of factoids you go to. Yeah, but what, I mean, what are you ever going to do with that? And, uh, use it as a filler topic for the intro of this podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, that works, that works. Uh, um, I'm probably going to forget that really soon. Uh, but what people shouldn't forget, Cooper, yes. is that they can get all of our latest updates on Twitter at Friends in Film. Um, and they can get the rest of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if they can, and they should, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps. Yeah. Um, and, Josh, you know, we are going to be reviewing Venom this week, mm-hmm. but we've used been watching something else, multiple other things, potentially, yes. but also the same thing. We did. A Wait. Star is Born. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we're not going to do a full review of it here, but just for the brief intro of what you've watched recently, is that what you want to talk about, or are you going to talk about something else? That's what I have to talk about. Okay. Mainly because I read a profile of Bradley Cooper last week that got me really hyped for it. I don't remember half of it, but um, <laughs> it was really good. It was in the Times, I believe, but as the, for the movie itself, it is quiet, but also plays it really loud when the music comes to you, and it has two great performances by Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga specifically, mm-hmm. who is definitely the shoe-in for the Oscar, I think everyone should quit. Not quit. Oh, keep, wow. <laughs> keep acting. But I really don't see anyone beating her. Then again, I haven't seen half the movies that are going to mm-hmm. be eligible for Oscars. Uh, but she was exceptional. Um, it makes Bradley Cooper's terrific performance kind of look bad. Uh, it really does. I didn't connect completely with it, the, the film itself. Okay. But it is. it makes no mistakes. And it really is beautiful. But I'm not going to go you know, shouting out from the rooftops, this is amazing <laughs> or life changing. Like so okay. many people in film Twitter are doing. So what would you give it that if you had to give it a ticket stub? Uh, four and a half probably. And you're saying that you're like, and it's okay. It, it's like, it just, it does. It's flawless. Every part of it, but it never left. Like my heart never left under the screen or out of my body until the final 15 minutes of yeah. the film. I think I mean I feel like that's almost by design. I love the movie. I would also okay. probably give it four and a half. Um, it's it's probably close to a five. I think the only part that um, maybe keeps it down for me is more like the, I thought the second act slowed down a little bit because that's when like their their disconnection starts to happen. Sure. And I was like, oh, they're so good together, Bradley and uh, Lady Gaga. That I was like, oh, I just want to see more of them. Like I thought mm-hmm. the first act was phenomenal. Oh, everything basically that, flawless. Yeah, everything at that drag bar it just had me <laughs> cackling. Had me cackling. 
um in my seat it yeah so i mean good. it's it's beautiful it's it's funny as you mentioned um it it has those terrific performances like i don't know if i can say because i haven't seen everything that's going to be you know up for oscars this year but sure. as from what i have seen lady gaga is definitely like she is the first performance i feel like i've seen this year where, like she's getting a nomination mm-hmm. and especially for a female i mean male maybe like i mean i feel like bradley cooper could probably get one um as well and i think his direction in this movie is not like oh look at me i'm a director but it like he doesn't make those he doesn't make any mistakes right so from that aspect i feel like it's not a showy performance by him at, behind the camera but for the first time to deliver something this big this beautiful um i feel like he should get nominated at this point we'll see if that if i stay that way throughout it and then the original music is just oh, phenomenal yeah. it's been on repeat in my itunes basically ever since and yeah the last 15 minutes are just so good mm-hmm. so good um but i mean as much as we could rave about venom <laughs> or rave about a star is born yeah we'll see if we're gonna rave about venom and if you read my review on friends film.wordpress.com you know that that is not the case for me, at least. Uh, I would give this movie two and a half ticket stubs out of five um, because it, it's a weird thing because I, I can't say this movie is good, but it's also not terrible as some mm-hmm. people are making it out to be. Um, and by, and throughout the movie, I was kind of enjoying myself, even though I was like, this isn't very good. But Tom Hardy is like really having the time of his life, it feels like, playing this character that, that um, of Eddie is. Brock and just really, he's really going for it. He's giving it his all. I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of like seeing this like more like non-serious, like, you know, this isn't Locke. This isn't Tom Hardy in a car for, you know, an hour and a half. This is Tom Hardy talking to himself mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for the most part. So right. uh, it, it's, a, it's a silly movie um, by those regards. And like Venom himself is actually pretty cool. Um, he looks decent for the most part there's other parts of the cg's pretty uh iffy but for the most part i thought venom actually looked good he's got good fight sequences especially with the swat team mm-hmm. um up until like the third act where i think the movie just kind of loses itself into uh uh like trying to fit the superhero genre and then also like but we're probably gonna get a sequel because this movie's gonna open to like 70 to 80 million dollars it looks like so we gotta set up these other things it's mm-hmm. like you don't you don't need to do that you should have just stop, kept yourself contained focused on your own thing maybe you would have given it a little bit of a better if it would have land if it would have stuck the landing um instead of it going up in flames but uh yeah two and a half ticket stubs it's fine i don't know if i need a sequel but it seems like we're going to get one so we'll see okay yeah i mean that's pretty light uh yeah i, I would kind of echo a lot of what you said um venom venom is not horrific as i think it's right i think it's rotten tomato score is just wildly off at least 31 percent. yeah i think it i think it falls right in like the 55 60 range which would like barely make it fresh but like my review like it would be technically rotten yes it would be because correct um so i'll probably go a step ahead of you as well Okay. I'm going to go a full ticket ahead of you, actually. Um, Venom is interesting. It's dark and screwy and the right kind of camp um, in a lot of ways, specifically with Venom and Tom Hardy's performance as Eddie Brock. Yes, it's sloppy, harried, and aimless, especially in the end with some weird rocket launch that it just starts happening <laughs> almost not inexplicably, but eh, but basically, yeah, but basically um, it's not formulaic at all, It, but it has no structure or plan yeah. to itself whatsoever. Um, it, it finds, it, 
it finds itself in Tom Hardy's performance. Um, there's this uh, almost like a, a I don't want to say um, lethal weapon like attitude to it, but there's this um, buddy type film going on here that starts about an hour into an hour and a half minute movie <laughs> yeah. where you start to be like, this is the movie I kind of came to see. And you realize the the entire setup of meeting Venom is completely pointless. Mm-hmm. And had this movie just been about Eddie Brock, who was already Venom, would have been interesting, mm-hmm. would have been really cool. Uh, because everything else that's not Venom related is not great. Michelle Williams, someone terrific and lovely, not great mm-hmm. or just her story she just has nothing the story to do. is just sort of like here for yep. eddie and it's like oh you could be so much you could be so much better than this yep. but you know she probably got a, a decent payday so yes. it's good for her i mean i'm pretty sure great there's for- a there's a quote out there from michelle who said oh i did this for the money and for hardy oh, good <laughs> like, yeah exactly okay. perfect um reed scott he's fine um like the five minutes he's on screen yeah he's, he's a great doctor <laughs> But you know that's it. Uh, but my biggest problem with it is you feel the f- film centering itself. Um, whether it's knowing it's very apparent this movie was filmed for an R rating, and then they find ways to edit them out themselves yeah. out and down to a PG thirteen midway, three fourths of the way through filming. It dodges grander Marvel things, and then it just plays it safe when going full screwball would have been fun, interesting. Um, but. I had I had, a, I had a great time watching it. I don't know how it's going to hold up on rewatches. Probably <laughs> won't at all because um, I'm never going to see it again. Oh. I, I don't think I'll ever see it again. I don't know. I've, had, I've only seen Infinity War twice. So, But I, in, I, your, I like in, in your entire lifetime, you'll probably watch Infinity War again. True. This, Yeah, this I'll probably put on the shelf, never see again. But I would love to see a sequel. But you're still going to buy it. I don't think I'd buy it. So it's not going to go on a shelf. It's going right. to stay on the sh- on the store shelf or in your. I'll probably uh, recommend it to a friend <laughs> and then ask for their digital copy there we go, and then there add it to thing, just so I can watch some yeah. things back. Um, but I would love to see a sequel. Um, so three and a half out of three and a half out of five tickets stubs. Okay, where I land. Very interesting. Yeah, and uh, I just because it doesn't seem like the you, potential um, in Tom Hardy's performance is like the biggest win for me. Okay, in a lot of ways. And just because I can imagine um, before the show, I think I kind of like pitched to you my perfect Venom movie would be a like detective type story mm-hmm. or, you know, reporter like story where Eddie's narrating it. But then Venom kind of comes in and like helps join the narration and like alters it and changes it while we see them going about it. And I think that could be like really fun because the h- hilarious parts of this film are Venom commenting on Eddie's actions and um, that's he just gets the most laughs out of the theater, particularly when he like he's like calling him a coward for not wanting to like leap off the top of the building, fully knowing yeah. that Venom can save him or anything like that. Um, then the lobster tank and like you know going yeah. Let's let's get into that. spoilers. Okay, um, yeah, sure. Because there's there are those moments like the lobster tank thing where it's like that's the those are the points in the movie where I'm like this movie is just it, it's going for it like it doesn't care kind of what you think it's like tom hardy just being like i'm gonna be weird and i'm gonna jump in a lobster tank and eat lobster shells Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna two scenes earlier rip out a bag of tater tots from my freezer and stuff them down my face and then go dig through my trash and get a raw chicken and eat it and it's like 
that's like a three minute, five minute sequence in this movie. And it's mm-hmm. just like, what is happening? Tom Hardy eating junk food is like 10 whole minutes of this movie. It's bizarre. It is. It is really weird. It is like Ruben Flesher is like putting a camera on like zombie eating, like, you know, stuff or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's at least, at least at the start. And even then, like, um, at, by the very end of the movie, when it, Venom's like, I'm hungry, let's get some food. It was previously established that Venom has to eat live uh, objects or live, you know, something yeah. that is alive. Mm-hmm. And but then he's like, let's get more tater tots. And it's like, tater tots aren't alive. Right. Why does he love tater tots so much? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really care about Venom's dietary restrictions or whatever. Um, but it's just like, it's, it's, it was just like, that's one of those moments where I was like, scratching my head like what is this movie going for at this point that you have to show me a five minute sequence of tater tot eating (laughs) right um yeah and it just makes me wonder what got cut what was in that 40 minutes that tom hardy's like oh i can't believe we lost all that i feel like it's more that stuff i would hope i mean i won't say i hope so but it can't be all of that stuff well i mean i don't think there's another 40 minutes of tater tot eating but but more exploring what the paris what the symbiote is would be have been more entertaining than Riz Ahmed and his, Riz Ahmed was terrible. His character was terrible. I thought him his performance was I mean good. Yeah, it's fine, but yeah, I mean like his character is just boring. Like you don't care about him at all. Like his motivation is <laughs> it's so interesting to me the parallels between this movie and The Predator. I don't know if you noticed this, but they basically open the exact same way. Alien crash the alien that is inside the spaceship attacks people and kills oh. the suits that are around them. And then, um, what was the other connection that we were just talking about? You were talking about the evil guy, Riz Ahmed and his plan, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. I lost it, but okay. it, it, it is, it is weird. Like I've thought about how similar movies to predator before. And I'm just like, it's, it's just, Oh, it's the global warming kind of subplot of like, Oh, the earth's dying. Like that was a kind of a key part of the predator at the end of that the earth is going to destroy humanity so you guys have to leave and then that that is also Rizzo Med's goal in this oh, movie is right. like we need the symbiotes so we can go and live on other planets yes. it's like it's a little hackish okay mm-hmm. or that they can live on they'll be able to survive on that planet um but like yeah like there's even yeah if you just took out the entire plot line of Rizzo Med and it's Tom Hardy just trying to like stop himself from eating other people that would be would have been way more entertaining i think yeah or something like that, where he's just trying to find that perfect balance, and then we somehow just get to the end where he's like, "Okay, you only eat bad people," and he's like, "All right, deal," and then yeah. they go on from there or something like that. I don't know, um, because the character of Venom, the symbiote, is funny, is is fun, and I want to see more of it, especially with Tom Hardy. Like there's a ded- there's a dedication to commitment, like you said earlier, where he just goes, he's going for it everywhere. His Jersey Jersey accent is either like spot on, where it's just kind of like that kind of. Um, there's no uh, stereotypical like inflections or anything like mm-hmm. that, or exaggerations, or it's just something he made up on the spot. Yeah, you know, it's one of those two things. Uh, so I, I kind of like appreciate all of that. Okay. Um, I think you did. Did you buy the like, because by the end of the movie, you know, Venom basically tells Eddie, he's like, you know, let's go take down um, Riot because I want to stay here with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why? <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I'm a loser. And I was but like, like, aw. 
that like that's just one line of dialogue like we didn't get enough time to actually like see that relationship so it's like to me that like that falls flat by the end of like venom's no i want to stay and it's like you like as far as i know you barely know eddie Mm -hmm. like you guys barely have a connection at all you don't have an understanding there's not really anything special about eddie that makes him like the special like the necessary host that you like you need to bond to him and that's a different story like the bonding between symbiotes and humans in this movie like it doesn't really make any sense that like you would think the symbiotes would want the most um capable host possible like sure. the strongest host whatever and then like riot goes from um somebody who's basically dead and like revives them to walk across then he chooses an old lady and then he chooses a little girl to go to riz ahmed yeah and just like those were your those were your four best options in this movie. <laughs> well, it sounded like yeah, Riot's kind of thing was like calculating. Where he's like, okay, I need to get to this point. Yeah, but they, they don't even explain really why like they need Drake. Yeah, I don't know why he needed to go to Drake. Oh, he needed the rocket because that's where he came from. Because he needed to get back to Earth to tell the people on the comet or on the planet of Venom or wherever yeah. that planet is. Like that whole thing doesn't make any doesn't isn't explained. No, well. Um, so they can come back to Earth to eat everybody. Yeah. Seems to be what Riot's trying to I accomplish guess. in the rocket at the end. Uh, but no, I, I totally got like Venom wanting to hang around. Okay. Um, they were having fun. Like, But we needed to see more of this established or throughout the movie or just skip the entire origin story in general. Yeah. I think that would have been even better. The, the sixth month stuff before the sixth month jump, mm-hmm. I think you could just basically cut all that out. Yep. And then just fill it in with more of like the, okay, well now Eddie, like he is like, he's going after Drake and then he gets infected. And now it's instead of like 20 minutes of exploring how this relationship happens, it's like 40 to 50 minutes of the movie. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, cool. Right. And then by the time Venom's like, no, I actually want to stay. It's like, okay, cool. I understand that because I've seen their bond form from like, you know, Venom basically like forcing Eddie to do different things. So then Eddie like taking control and then them finding a balance between the two of them. And that doesn't happen. So then, like, by the time, like, again, like, he makes that decision, it's like, you're just doing this because, like, that's what you need to do. And that's what Sony needs this character to do. So that way Sony can keep making more movies. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's struggling with the standalone aspects of yeah. Venom, which is the biggest dig against it. Um, and let me rephrase that a little bit. Venom is can be a standalone, I suppose. Um, but doing it all in a hurried fashion in one film hurts mm-hmm. it, hurts that goal. Uh, I don't think you have, I don't think you have to kind of, um, be like, this should have been realized across three movies to it. I, I think mm-hmm. it was very, they did it f- decently here, but I think it could have played better done elsewhere. Like you said, begin yeah. with, uh, him being cast or being fired and mm-hmm. you know um written off as it has been for trying to take down um whatever that Rizamed's character's name Carlton is Carlton Drake Carlton Drake thank yeah. you well cuz yeah he was he was cuz he was previously fired already from the globe in New mm-hmm. York so it's like so he's already has that history like we don't need to see him get fired again if you're going to tell us he's been fired before just tell us he's been fired once right. and then we understand why he's looking for a job exactly um so it's just like it's weird and like not including Venom throughout most of the movie. Like, he doesn't, like Venom as like a full symbiote force doesn't like appear to probably, like you said, like an hour in the movie. Maybe uh, it's closer 45. to 45 minutes. Yeah. But like there's like the 
20 minutes before that where like Eddie is like dealing with Venom, but it's just like Venom's head is coming out or mm-hmm. like he's seeing the reflection in the mirror or you know, he's just hearing the voice and then Venom's like using like he's going out of his arms and his back and his legs. And it's like, why isn't Venom just like, there's no reason why Venom can't just like fully be his like final form. Right. So it's like in the apartment fight, which was cool. It was, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was actually a pretty good fight sequence, but like there's no reason why Venom shouldn't have just like been fully Venom and taken out all those guys right then and there. Yeah, that's true. Except that they wanted to keep this budget a little lower. So like, well, two of these fight sequences have to be kept to just Tom Hardy's. So there's not an insane amount of VFX, mm-hmm. which I get that, but it does like, you have to at least offer some explanation, but like, well, you know, Eddie's uh, body isn't strong enough yet, yet to be the full host for Venom's entire form. Sure. If you would have like explained that, be like, okay, then I understand it, but you don't, you don't understand. You don't explain gotcha. it. So now I'm just like, why isn't Venom in this movie a lot more? Cause mm-hmm. he, he really should have been there from the get go. Yeah. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. It's not something I really thought about. I mean, obviously you want a big unveil too. Cause like, you know, when we finally do see him kind of like, yeah, come out for the first time, it's in defense of Eddie. Yeah. It's a cool reveal. He hadn't really needed to be, um, He's, he is protecting his host at that point. Right. It was like imminent danger time to spring alive. Cause mm-hmm. Eddie's not really helping me out with his broken legs and ankles <laughs> yeah. and everything like that. Uh, so, you know, I don't like there's, I just, yeah, there's, there's something here that I really enjoyed and it's, it's Tom Hardy. It's venom. It's Ruben Flesher's attempt at a goofy, dark brand of comedy mm-hmm. that was unfortunately censored. Wow. I mean, do you think this would have been better with an R rating? I think it would have been better with an R rating. Not so much because what they, it's because it would have drawn a different audience. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, I think this jokey humor still would have stayed. Mm-hmm. So you're really just like, if you add the R rating and like you keep this movie like the same to like, to what it is, but you just like say, well, now you can maybe say the F word more than once. Cause Hardy does say it in the third act. If I he does. Believe. Yeah. Um, and then like, cause the part where I, I was kind of like, Oh, that could have, that's probably like an already scene originally was when the, uh, when riots first host uses the spikes to like yes. kill all those people around her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that, that was probably like an R rated sequence at the start. Right. Because like, Ruben Fleischer like originally said, "Oh yes, it's gonna be an R-rated movie," and then like now that it's PG thirteen, he was like, "Oh, I don't know why people ever thought it was gonna be an R-rated movie." It's like because you said that the plan, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Must have forgot that interview, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it really would have benefited from R rating, and I think now that you've done PG thirteen, I don't, and it's going, it looks like it's gonna make a decent amount of money at the box office. I don't know if you can really change that moving forward. No, I don't think so either. So this is why you need to. You gotta fine tune it. You need to you need to you need to double down on what's good. Eddie Brock in Venom, mm-hmm. that 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 internal monologue going on, and then find a way to craft the story around Eddie being able to be in his head and Venom wanting to eat people alive. Because like um, in the post credit, one of the first post credit scenes we get this we get or treated well, to. Yeah, the I, mean, only, I mean, there's one really. Um, like that, that attitude is kind of like, okay, this is Eddie's time. Shut up, Venom, mm-hmm. sort of. Before we get into that moment with a Woody Harrelson, and like having to fight that kind of thing, sort of like a Batman-like film, but only with Venom inside of Eddie's head, would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Trying to hunt some kind of killer in San Francisco, 
Yeah, would it be a little different if the killer was also a symbiote? David Lynch. No, not David Lynch. Who directed the Zodiac? David uh, Fincher. David Fincher. What David directing Fincher do Ven- his- directing a That's Venom hilarious. movie That's hilarious. would be fantastic. That is that would literally never happen. I don't know. You pay him like what? A good five, four million dollars. You can probably get him. On Listen, board. he's been attached to World War Z two for about two years. I and know that hasn't happened. That has not moved an inch. Oh man. So I I would I, love it. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't. It would. It would be cool. But that is like just not happening that kind of style would make venom great. and ruben fleischer is definitely not not coming back if they make a sequel because he like the critical reaction may not have been great but he delivered a movie that's gonna make a lot of money at the box office they already gave him zombie land 2 if venom 2 happens then Fleischer's gonna be back directing it hmm. seems like a pretty good bet we'll see yeah um can you explain to me how venom is still around though yeah, I mean it's just kind of it's just kind of like uh well though we're not killing him. <laughs> yeah. That ending is where Venom Venom um becomes a parachute to protect Eddie Brock mm-hmm. as he floats down to the surface of the ocean. Um the, the Pacific Ocean after a as he's, as he's burning, yeah. Right, burning alive after Riot gets burnt alive by jet fuel or rocket fuel. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, it's we need a sequel or yeah. a piece of venom was left on Eddie Brock or inside of Eddie Brock and it slowly grew over just show that. three, four months. <laughs> like, you know, like a little baby Groot inside of him <laughs> before it was finally maybe, mature enough maybe. to transform back into the complete venom. I will say, though, the dialogue that just we mocked the entire film was worked in the context of the movie. Like all of the dialogue, all of the dialogue, no. except for yeah, no, all of it. Um, the, the the rolling the turd in the wind thing, yeah. still dumb. Nope, it was worked. also dumb that it was like the, the final line of the movie. I, I uh, liked it. No, that was bad. Yeah, because it was Venom trying to be intimidating. The, the context of the scene is Venom's like, "Well, I'll be intimidating. I'm not gonna eat this guy." And then after he says it, he's like, "Ah, screw this. This is this is too hard." And then just swallows uh-huh. him whole. Don't like it. I would love Still to know like the it. physics of, or not the physics, the biology of. Yeah, because what happens to that people? <laughs> does does Hardy then eat that? I no, I don't think so. Because I mean, when he says we are venom, his mouth is right where venom's mouth is. Yeah, uh, it, it's a very I don't know I don't know how that works either. Um, so yeah, obviously there's going to be carnage. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> as, as direct quote. Cleus Cassidy says in the post-credit scene, uh, played by Woody Harrelson, um, who is who is clearly having the time of his life in that prison cell, in a, acting in as, a terrible wig. Yeah, oh my gosh! Like that was the <laughs> Orphan most Annie. That blow. was the most shocking part of the post-credit <laughs> scene because it was like, I feel like we knew it was heavily reported that mm-hmm. this was the post-credit scene that. I mean, he's not, if he's not in the movie, but Woody Harrelson was cast to play Carnage, it's like, well, okay, he's going to be in the post-credit scene to set up the sequel. I did not expect them <laughs> to have a Ronald McDonald-style wig <laughs> on Woody Harrelson because now, like, mm-hmm. what happens if they, like, if like when the sequel gets made then, does he wear that hair the entire movie? I would hope they do. Just Do they of, just shave him? <laughs> they just write in some kind of shaving of it. Oh, I man. I mean, it's got to, oh, man. Uh, uh, that was that was bad. Um, that, lo- that line of dialogue was bad, but Woody, his creepiness, it works. It's mm-hmm. like, I can see him as Cletus, like, so yeah. if that's what we get for the second movie, then cool. I just want to see a, like a 
tighter script, a tighter story, a more a refined story. Uh, yes. tone for the movie, and maybe this can work. Mm-hmm. I I know it can work. That's why my my rating is basically based off of the idea of knowing this. It's not based off the idea of knowing it. Yeah, works. I say, enjoyed, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's beyond. It's pointless to say it like that. It's not the spirit of what we're doing here. Um, go see Venom because it'll be one of those movies where you can just talk about how insane it was. And then you'll be like, Tom Hardy, yeah, let's do another one of these things, man. <laughs> like it could be the it could be the bad movie that keeps getting sequels. Um, like everything after Die Hard, you know? Like the, <laughs> it could it could be that kind of franchise. Yeah, maybe. I think. With each director bringing their own kind of weird way to go about it. Um I don't know. I feel like you almost need to st- stick to Fleischer or at least the sc- same screenwriters or something cuz I don't know if you can really change the tone too much and <laughs> without totally changing Venom. Um, but lastly here then, I mean, there's been a lot of like, there was a lot of those rumors beforehand of like, well, is it going to be connected to the MCU? Is Tom Holland going to make a cameo? Doesn't happen. No. Stan Lee makes a cameo at the very end, mm-hmm. but that's just standard for all Marvel movies. Right. So that's not like a, oh, it's, it is MCU thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this movie's going to make like 70 to $80 million. Uh, opening weekend it'll probably have decent legs it'll probably make a decent amount of the box office on a smaller budget um i mean if you're sony you're probably pretty happy with this you're probably not looking out of like well okay if this movie flopped then you're thinking well we we got to get involved with mcu but now if you're marvel studios you're like well this thing's successful it doesn't do anything that directly contradicts anything that's in the mcu very true it could happen do you want to see you know this Venom crossover in some ways with the MCU with Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. One Next movie or like movie three or what? Movie six. You want... Or five, perhaps. Do so you want four more Venom movies? Oh, no, no, sorry. In the Venom universe, not yeah. Spider-Man's universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, probably by the third one. I mean, I guess... Or the I guess one. Spider-Man. So the second or third Venom movie, but also yeah. the fifth or sixth spider-man movie correct okay because tom holland needs to take a dark turn himself his, his peter parker is gonna have to come up against something really drastic um and character altering mm-hmm. and you could prime venom to be that then again this venom also is definitely less yeah villainous yeah he's not that than the initial dark venom. turning right character anymore so per flash is probably going to have to be the evil version of venom or the more diabolical version yeah, of that'd venom. be interesting that's definitely a long ways away if they want to go agent venom but uh personally i don't really want this i mean not that it's not because of the quality or anything like i just think at this point you've already sacrificed the connection between venom and spider-man that makes that connection worthwhile the story worthwhile for peter parker so yeah there's not really anything that you would do. I mean, unless you do it the way where like, well, you know, it is in the MCU and then Venom sees Spider-Man and he's like, well, that's a superior host. So I'm going to go latch on to Spider-Man and then Eddie Brock hates Spider-Man. And then he ends up getting the symbiote back. And like that's a how love it triangle. Yeah. yeah. That would be epic. <laughs> unless that's how it happens. But like, I just, they could just bring in Andrew Garfield and run that plot. That'd be fine. I'd be I, okay I would be, that. I would, Listen, if that if that's how it happened, I would be interested in that. It'd definitely be uh, fascinating to see Sony attempt that, but that's probably not happening because I don't think under the current Spider-Man Sony Marvel deal that there can be another live-action Spider-Man other than 
Tom Holland. Really? Okay. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's that sounds right. in the guidelines. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are our thoughts on Venom. Josh is all on recommending I, this movie to anybody. I think you should see it at least once. I say if you liked the marketing, if that looked like a fun time to you, then you'll probably like the movie. If the if the marketing did not impress you, then it's probably not worth your time. Did you see it in IMAX or anything special? I did not see it in IMAX. I no. saw it in IMAX. It, I mean, it Venom's bigger, but like it doesn't you know add anything. Sure, they didn't. You know, um, it's not shot in IMAX or anything, so it's not really adding anything. I imagine they did not labor over the sound design or picture quality. No, no, no. So that is all we have to say on Venom. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and it's always going to start with our three main topics. This week, we're starting with West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's remake of the classic 1961 movie musical. Uh, he found his lead this week of Tony and Ansel Elgort, Josh. Is this a good choice for the new West Side Story? It's an okay choice. It's like it's, it's a good choice. Like Ansel's going to be fine, but I just was picturing someone a little more Italian. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but he's going to. I, I. I'm sure he'll be adorable on screen, and he'll be the next great, awesome Tony. Yeah. Because this is the modern version remake. I believe so. Right. Like today's. I believe not, so. To set it back in the '70s or whatever. But you know, there's still the Jets and the Sharks and everything. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah, I think he'll be great. Um, he'll be like, he's because he's teenage heartthrob E. Yeah. But also very distinct, like a very young Adam Driver. I don't know. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. I, I, mean, don't, I don't really get that comparison. They're like, they're both like attractive, but in different ways. Okay. Not like stock attractive, like Chris Hemsworth or Chris Pratt or Chris Pine or, or anything like that. Chris Evans. Or, or Chris Evans. <laughs> like the Chris's. The like Chris's, there's the yeah. Chris's. And then there's like, Adam Driver, there's something interesting going on with his face. So is Ansel Elgort. <laughs> and then there's the Scars Guards. <laughs> exactly. And then the Star- Scars Guards are just like, oh, we're supermodels. <laughs> they don't do that. They do something more Finnish. Um, but Ansel's right up to that line. And w- after his baby driver role where, I, I mean, there's some corp- some really good choreography going mm-hmm. on with that because of the way Edgar Wright shot that yeah. movie. I think it naturally will lend itself well to that. And he's going to have plenty of time to get the get a singing voice up to key mm-hmm. um the dance moves down because this movie isn't going to be made for another year i don't know when this movie happens um i don't know either is it, does it come before or after indiana jones i feel like it could come before because indy was delayed right till True. 2020 is now has, its release date and spielberg has nothing on his plate so it could potentially i don't know if it could film early next spring early 2019 and then you do Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That'd be really close for Indy then because Indy would have to probably start filming middle of next year if it's going to hit 2020, but it's also in the middle. Of, like it doesn't have a script yet. So that 2020 release date is definitely not as set as it probably should be. So hmm. I don't know. I feel like at this point, I mean, if, if he cast Ansel Elgort, cause like this was a very long search for Spielberg. Like he, he apparently wanted to find like unknowns or largely unknown people, but he just couldn't find anybody. So, 
he got Elgort, and now that you got Elgort, I don't know why you would like just sit on him. I mean, he's hot off Baby Driver. Right. Um, he's gonna be in um, what's the other movie? He's doing some like disaster movie. Um, I'm pretty sure. So like his name is just gonna keep getting, I think, a little bit bigger and bigger. So I think you need to capitalize while you have the chance. And so if you're Spielberg, I feel like you should probably get this moving sooner rather than later. And like you said, if he's not doing anything else right now, there's no better time than the present to make West Side Story. Right. And we know that he has no problem ducking out of the post-production process of a movie to go film something else. Yeah, that's true. Um, And I mean, Indiana Jones, was basically any crew that they hire is going to already know how to make that movie without Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously. So he'll be able to drop himself right into that pre-production and yeah push it forward yeah, i mean lucasfilm and kathleen kennedy's there for another three years so she can keep uh indiana jones moving if spielberg's busy doing something else yeah seriously make kathleen kennedy sense of directing that so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if she I mean, she doesn't direct anything before as far as i know no but um, i want but probably could do it probably i would not would not surprise me let's, um, let's try it to see what happens let's try it. all right josh started the campaign spielberg out for indiana jones <laughs> five he wants kathleen kennedy um yeah i mean i, I think ansel will be a good choice he is a singer songwriter dj person like he has like a music career all right the koala thing um and so like i don't know how good his singing voice actually is um but i mean he showed at least some choreography ability in baby driver some acrobatic abilities as well so seeing him get into this musical dance uh movie should be pretty fun um i also want to throw out i put this on twitter earlier tom holland is Riggs. Mm. i think is just a brilliant choice of my own and Spielberg. If you're out there listening, you should definitely cast Tom Holland in that role because I want to see Tom Holland in a musical. I don't know if he can sing, but he can absolutely, he absolutely can dance and move and he's got the charisma and Riggs plays a pretty important role in the West side story story. So I think that'd be really cool. And to see El Gordon Holland on screen together, I just feel like they'd have great chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also want to pitch Becky G as Maria. Really? Yeah. Just because she is a singer and she's an actor, and oh, oh, Becky G, got it. No, I, mean, I thought I was thinking Cardi B. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, I got you. No, 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 okay. no. Definitely not Cardi B. Well, that's why I thought that for a second. Okay, <laughs> no, oh, Becky G would be a Cardi B if that's what Spielberg's going for, sure. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Becky G for sure. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll double down on that. Cool. So then let's uh, also talk about Netflix' latest acquisition. They got the entire library of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia novels. They are the first company ever to own all seven books um, in in some sort of like, you know, a live action production setting. So they are now said to be developing new movies and TV shows, um, which kind of breaks the Friends of Film policy, but they are developing movies. So we're going to talk about it anyways. Correct. Um, I mean, this kind of, I mean, I feel like this says that the Joe Johnston Chronicles and the Silver Chair movie that was reportedly in development that Millie Bobby Brown had reportedly been offered the lead role for is no more. It means that the Netflix. Or, or is it even more? Because Netflix, Millie Bobby Brown, Stranger Things. Yes, all I did. I did also think together. about that connection. But what if instead of Silver Chair, because I, I, I don't know, I've been trying to think how Netflix could do this properly mm-hmm. because I, I mean there's there's the five kind of main books that or there's the first three that involve the uh what is it, the penincy children pensies um and Pensy, then yeah, and then the pay. other two 
I believe. The next two after that involve Eustace yes. and like Eustace's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he is their cousin. So like that is like I feel like their five movie epic. And then the TV shows they can start off a TV show of the origins Narnia. Yeah, based on the sixth book, and then Pen- what Pevensies. Pevensies, yes. Um, and then Millie Bobby Brown can be like the new, uh, the oldest, the oldest of the Pevensies or whatever their name is oh. in the movie series. Yeah, Susan. Yeah, she could be the new Susan. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, that's a great way to go about that. And then you end it with like an epic, like three season adaptation of the last book. Hmm. That's my pitch for Netflix. Yeah. I don't know how you do television shows based off of this because I can only see five or no, there's eight, six books. There's seven books. Seven books. I can see a seven book arc. I'll do all, do all of them. Or maybe like you said, I think you said origins of Narnia TV series. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the sixth book. Do the OG not the OG, the most popular films with the Pevensies mm-hmm. in film format. Yeah. And then go back to television series with the rest, with Eustace and company. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could do it kind of simultaneously where it's like, all right, well, we're going to start off with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And this is our new series, and Millie Bobby Brown is the new Susan, and Finn Wolfhard is the new, well, I don't remember the oldest brother's name, but okay, you just like gotcha. double down on all the Stranger Things Peter. cast. Yeah, Peter. And then you also obviously get Liam Neeson back to play the voice Aslan. That, that's a must. Yes. Um, and then you like release that movie in like 2021, 20, probably. Right. And then like you do it in like the summer. And then that fall slash winter, you debut the first season of Chronicles of Narnia um the magician's nephew yeah the magician's nephew or i mean they'd probably change the title maybe to yeah. like make it a little something snappier maybe like crocs and origins <laughs> yeah nah, you go magician's nephew um, sounds interesting yeah and then you just like do that for like you do the first season then and then the next year you do another season and next year you do another season so you just build on layers of narnia lore as we're getting more installments of the movies and then you wrap it all up in a big conclusion yeah there you go yeah, that that would be some good synergy Especially laying the foundation for it. And like, how does the Ice Queen come about? Mm-hmm. And everything yeah. like that, which is all laid out in The um, Magician's Nephew. Mm-hmm. Which is deals with like like a huge theme of creation. Yeah. And like all of these things. That you could like get some kind of aspiring filmmaker ideologue to kind of like jump on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, film, I know we're talking about television series more so <laughs> than film here. But... Well, it's how they connect together. Correct. The payoff could be really good for yeah. them. I mean, it's a fantasy series. I guess it kind of says they don't fully believe in David Ayer's Bright, you know, to be their next fantasy blockbuster. I mean, they're also <laughs> developing Avatar live action there. That's right. And then, um, I mean, there, there's like a lot of like fantasy. Like I saw one article this week that's like, well, you know, is uh, our fantasy big screen movies dead? Because it seems like, like Amazon picked up one... Um, adaptation of something and then uh Lord of the Rings? No, but oh. I mean yes, but there's another one. Okay, as well. I was like how are you forgetting this? <laughs> yeah, there's there's one, I don't remember what they're called. They're not even that good, but <laughs> greatest blockbusters of all <laughs> yeah. time. Uh yeah, no, that one. Um and then yeah, they picked up another one, but it's like okay. it is I mean it's interesting that like we're not getting those kind of big epic fantasy movies really anymore on the big screen because it's like comic comic movies and then established properties, which Narnia is, so like I felt like it would have been 
good mm-hmm. for a theatrical thing. But then again, sure. Netflix is getting more and more into the theatrical game or at least limited releases. So maybe some of these Narnia movies we can still see on the big screen. Yeah, and this is this will be a good play for the European more international market too since all of the Pevensies and all the characters in the Chronicles of Narnia are in fact British. That's true. So I think that kind of dings your Finn Wolfhard true. fan casting. Tom Holland then. Tom Holland, perfect. <laughs> he, he would actually he, be really be, He would be great. Especially you only have to keep him around for like two movies. Yeah, Then he's, right. he's basically taken out of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the, the, the rate they're snatching up you know, known people. Uh, it's, I don't think it's too far away. No, not at all. But then again, he's already doing West Side Story and Spider Man, and I mean, he's just so he's a busy, busy guy. He's a high in demand so guy. Um, and I don't think I could cast him for the next project to talk about. Lilo and Stitch is no. getting a live action remake. I don't think he's Hawaiian, so I'm pretty sure Holland, you're out. Right, not <laughs> you even could, remotely Polynesian. You could voice Stitch if you really, if we really wanted to, you know, get him in there, or Bill Hader. Bill Hader would be a great choice. <laughs> he would be a great choice. <laughs> um, but THR reported this week that Disney is remaking the Disney classic animated movie, yeah. uh, Lilo and Stitch. I don't know if it's classic. It's classic to me. It like, is classic. It's I, a classic Disney It's film. classic in the current setting, but it's not like a... No. Uh, yes and no. Classic current century, but classic all-timer too, okay, okay. I would say. All right. I, least, I, I didn't want to overstep. No, I think you're right to overstep. Okay. Or you know, put it in the... Uh, the canonical right. Disney films. <laughs> right, like I didn't want to anoint Lilo and Stitch, greatest movie ever, when sure. I don't know if it, it it necessarily holds that bar. No, I don't think it holds the greatest movie ever, but you can put <laughs> it classic, on the sh- yeah. shelf with okay. the greatest Disney okay. movies ever. That's fair. But yes, this movie is being remade in a live action slash CGI hybrid way with uh, up and coming screenwriter Mike Van Wace set to write the script for Disney. Um, it is currently not known, though, if this is going to be a theatrical launch or if this is one of Disney's latest movies that is you know, going to be on their streaming service when it launches. I mean, not it won't be on the streaming service right away, but it, one of those movies that is in development to eventually launch on their streaming service after it launches in 2019. Right. Bob Iger has said that they're planning, they're not going to just pack it with content at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They're going to... they got to str- sprinkle it out. They're going to strategically drop things on this and then move you know disney vault films on there Mm -hmm. when you know kind of like netflix does but with just disney content and fox content really um now but this is great um because i love leo and stitch yeah obviously the rock is gonna play mr bubbles um the cia social services agent okay who hangs out on the island Lili Cravalho is going to be Lilo, um, can't, which is can't she? I think she'll be. I think she'll just be old enough to be, pull it off, right? To pull off Lilo? Yeah, Lilo's oh. like seven years old in that oh. movie. How old is Ali? He's like eighteen. Is she really eighteen? I think. I mean, maybe sixteen, I seventeen. She was younger. I thought she was like fourteen, fifteen. Mm-mm. Okay, maybe no, because that was my first thought. It, my my question was, how do we get Alihi Cravalho in this movie? You just turned it into a teen story. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Can you update it? Or you can, you can update it. If this movie, is it like, let's say they spend the next year writing mm-hmm. the script. And then they're like, all right, well, Alihi, you're now 18, 19 maybe. Could she pull off Nina? Could she be the older sister? Nina's like, in your head, in my head, Nina's like 25. Yeah. 26, 27. So maybe not, but I think like a senior, a, a girl senior year of high school type of a thing, 
on the island, but then it's not. I just didn't cute. know. Yeah, I didn't know if they'd update it. I don't know because either. it's like it's that, it's that rambunctious um, child that kind of makes Lilo and Stitch kind of special. Yeah, it turns this into an island version of Bumblebee <laughs> at that point. <laughs> but yeah, so um, which is I'm already talking about Bumblebee like with affection. I haven't even seen it yet. But yeah, so maybe they can't finesse that. They gotta get. They her in. should though because she's earned it. Like I'm just like <laughs> I'm just shocked that they had that Disney hasn't like put her in a live action movie yet cuz like yeah I feel no. like I feel like she's just so good. Radio silence. She's only been in Rise which uh it's like an a, 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 a NBC ABC drama musical series which I don't know if it got renewed for second season. I don't I believe it did. Heard of it. Um so it's like she needs a new project. And yes, like whatever you have to do for Lilo and Stitch like I feel, like she can maybe pull off Nina or maybe like because this is like a movie, like the original Lilo and Stitch animated movie, as like, you know most animated movies are, not very long. It's an hour and twenty five minutes, so you got to beef it up to like an hour forty five probably. Yeah. So you got to add in another side character. So it's like, all right, mm-hmm. well Nina can't be around that much, but um, you know, there's another you know girl on the island who is a friend of Lilo. Sure. And that's who Lee Kravala plays. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you, that could that you could just add an totally. original character just for her. She is 18 by the way. Okay. So, yeah, or yeah, depending on how they go. Definitely. Um also though Henry Golding needs to play Nina's boyfriend though. Okay. I don't know his name, but he should be in there as that. He's a little bit dumb. I don't know if Henry Golden can do dumb. <laughs> I don't know if he can either. He just, he's yeah. too smart. Yeah, exactly. I don't look at him and think, you're a bozo. <laughs> yeah, you're a dummy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about this. Um, you're right. It, it is one of the my personally favorite Disney movies mm-hmm. uh, and seeing it kind of I mean, play have you, have like you seen all of like the spinoff movies, the TV show? I've seen, I watched the TV show religiously. Um TV show so good. It was it was way better than it had any right to be for a Disney animated series based off of a fantastic mm-hmm. film that they did. And then That's for I, sure. I think I don't remember if it was the, it wasn't a TV show. It must have been the, the second movie when like all of the different uh, creation. Yes, the second one introduces the TV series, and then the third one wraps up everything. That's right. Leroy and Stitch. Leroy and Stitch. Yeah, Lilo mm-hmm. and Stitch too. Stitch has a glitch. What a what a title. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we need rhymes now. Only an hour and eight minutes long. That is that is crazy. Wow. Um, Dakota Fanning is in that movie. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, she vo- wait. She voiced Lilo in the second movie. Weird. Hmm. Um. Either way, I think it's the second movie. Maybe it's the third one, or maybe it's the TV show. I don't remember. One of them. There is another. But what is Stitch called? Or like, what's like he? He's six like, two six. Yeah. There's they another. Create there's six- another variation of him. Yes, six two seven is called Cooper in the credits, and I was oh. like, "Yes, that's my favorite." <laughs> so yeah, I've always liked Lilo and Stitch, and this is exciting. I mean, do you have a preference? Do you want to see it theatrical or on the streaming? It's probably going to go streaming. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them. I mean, you know what? They to, to their credit, they released Christopher Robin in theaters, but I think so that was before the service. That was before the service. So I mean, if Lady and the Tramp is going to the service. I don't know how Lilo and Stitch makes it to theaters. Right. I think it, I honestly think it depends on how it films. Maybe. Who they get to film it. Um, because if it turns out to be something like incredibly good, mm-hmm. like tears at the end, I can't believe this is what I'm watching. It gets the, <laughs> the- theatrical release. If it's like, uh, we don't have much confidence in this. But I think they decide on that stuff beforehand, or at least they are currently like lady and the tramp. They're like mm-hmm. streaming service. 
there's like a sword in the snow movie, like streaming service. Yep. But then, um, you know, Lion King, theatrical for sure. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, I feel like they probably will go streaming service as well. But then again, this is a po- a property that is I think more beloved by people of our generation and younger. Mm-hmm. So if they want to keep people going to theaters, maybe it would be beneficial to Disney to throw it in theaters and they can get the, you know, I think nostalgia. Yes. But strategy wise, you're going to want people our age to sign up for Netflix's streaming or Disney streaming service. And we're the target audience. True. That's where they're going to go. I mean, I'm going to be signing up for the Loki mini series and the Mandalorian series. Right on. Right on. Yeah. But also, but also for Lilo and Stitch. Yes. (laughs) And then they can spit it off into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Or oh, just redo the whole thing. Yeah. There we go. And then we get Stitch gets a glitch too. And, you know, just everything. Um, so let's move on to Ticket or Skip It then. Uh, actually, a very busy week for trailers. Some first looks, some final looks. We got our first look at Rocketman starring Taron Egerton. Yeah. The Elton John biopic. We got our final trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We got our teaser trailer for Vice. The second trailer for Mary Queen of Scots. The first teaser trailer for The Mule, Clint Eastwood's new movie. Mm-hmm. An extended trailer for Aquaman. And the second, or maybe it's the third trailer. I don't remember. The, for Mortal Engines. I think it's the second official trailer, but it's the third trailer that they've put out. It's the third thing on youtube they've put with footage <laughs> exactly of the movie. yes yes that's a good way to put it <laughs> it's a little wordy we'll need to call it something else teaser trailer yeah just an abbreviation that's an original oh tt3 <laughs> that's terminator i don't know anyway Wh- which one is getting your ticket this week it's vice oh my gosh i like i hate myself for not including <laughs> this in my um look, look most anticipated for the fall season but it, it looks so good Chris, i mean you could probably already give christian bale his Oscar nomination now for yeah. his role as Dick Cheney, dedication to getting fat. Yeah. Getting fat yeah. again um, is wild, but just that first 10 seconds is so Dick Cheney. It's creepy. It's crazy. Um, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to love this movie. I don't, I mean, I, I don't like Dick Cheney at all. Um, I think he's kind of like an, like a, not the, steal the daily shows branding of him, but he's like, he's an evil Darth Vader. dude. Uh, he's like dark. <laughs> um, but I just can't wait to see how Adam McKay has perceived this ever since the big short and knowing that he can do this kind of like snappy, um, s- historical biopic type film. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I'm just hundred percent here for it. Um, Sam Watterson, not Sam Watterson, Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell's George W. Bush looks, looks great. Yeah, uh, so good. Yeah, I think it's going to be the best <laughs> characterization we've ever seen of him. <laughs> Just, Could, I mean, it kind of looks like a best supporting actor nomination to me. Possibly, didn't he get the win last year for that? That'd be so funny if he got. I don't it twice think he did. Row. He didn't win for for three billboards. Who won for three billboards? Or who won best supporting? I know he was nominated. I don't remember if he won or not. I think though. he did win. I thought I could have swore I saw on Twitter somebody mentioned how the Academy snubbed him last year. Maybe. I could be wrong. I can't trust Twitter. You know? I can't either. That, that's my fault. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I, take it all the way for this movie. It looks terrific. Amy Adams is in this movie as well. <laughs> um, Steve Carell's Donald Rumsfeld. I just can't wait to see that guy back in another character again. It's been such a long time since um, the Fox catcher mm-hmm. to you know really see him kind of be someone other than himself in a role. And that's going to be really, really exciting. Did so. you see the, uh, he did win 
for best porn actor last That's year. That's what I thought. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you see the thing around on Twitter about for the connection <laughs> between Anchorman and <laughs> yes. pretty, it's pretty good. goes on to be a top advisor in this Bush <laughs> White House. Like, it's so funny because I didn't really pay attention too much to like the context of like movies, uh-huh. but like look, going back and watching Anchorman and then reading that, like in the midst of when that movie came out, it just yeah. makes that whole thing just so much more funny. Yeah, it's pretty um, great. But enough of me shouting about vice. What gets your ticket this week, Cooper? It's tough. It's a tough decision. It's tough. Okay. This was, this was a good week. I like the rocket man teaser. That was um, fun. The Aquaman footage was really exciting. There's that great one take um, of them, of the, uh, Atlantis guards running through buildings that just like James Wan, just like basically showing off to everybody, um, which got it really close. But I think I am going to give my ticket to the mule. Really? Because like I was burned pretty bad by the last Clint Eastwood movie. 1517 Paris was mm-hmm. terrible. You were mad. I was very mad because it was just, it was just so bad. I, you can't usually read anger in your writing ever, <laughs> but you could, but there. I could, I could tell in your writing on, 5, 15, 18 to Yuma or whatever. No, that's... 15, 17 to Paris. Yes, thank you. <laughs> just combine like two or three movies. Exactly. Um, you were just so like mad at it that you had to like let let yourself get to depression before yeah. you could like write about that movie. Yeah, kind of. There's, there's such like overwhelming sadness. But this one like looks like a return to form for Clint Eastwood back to his like Gran Torino, Million Dollar Baby, American Sniper days, which... Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, I watched two of the two out of the three of them within the last like week and a half. So maybe I'm just not like clean Clint Eastwood high at the moment. Sure. Um, but I just think like it just looks like a fun um, exploration of this based on a true story, I believe, um, of yes. like of this older gentleman that who's you know trafficking drugs and being the drug mule, and like then like him being chased down by the cops played by Bradley Cooper, who now I'm also on a high on because mm-hmm. of the star is born. Um, and there's also Michael Pena's in there and it's just got a great cast. And um, I just think it looks like a really good movie. And the fact that Warner brothers like dated it so late in the game to come out in December to me speaks to potential Oscar quality to it. So I'm giving it a ticket cause I like the trailer, but also because I have belief that this will probably go down as a very good movie by the end of the year. Um, even though I also did think the vice trailer was pretty good. Yeah. They're like, they're polar opposites. I would say like yeah. trailer wise, like Eastwoods was so slow and, um, you know, uh, reflective, uh-huh. I guess. So, uh, yeah. And vice really- is kind of like, I don't know. I, I loved the, at least tone and style of the trailer. And I hope that's indicative of, the kind of snappiness that McKay's going to bring to the movie. Oh, sure. Okay. Because I like, I loved how he did a big short movie where it's like, oh, well, this is about the stock exchange. I'm like, I don't, I don't really care about that. Sure. But like he makes it so fun and interesting mm-hmm. with the characters and the cutaways to Margot Robbie or Selena Gomez explaining right. what like is going on. Sure. And then like he's doing the same thing. Not I mean not the exact same thing with Vice, but like he's bringing a, an energy to it that I'm excited about. Yeah. For sure. Like, oh, they're doing the darkest hours in American history. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's have fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll just follow up on you with what you said about the mule. Um, looks like something Clint Eastwood could hang his hat on for a career, which he mm-hmm. won't because the guy's going to go until he's dead. But yeah, this is... He's getting up there, though. He is, yeah. He's like 80. He's like 86 or I something. I can't believe he's still shooting movies. Him and Steven Spielberg both. Shooting them quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do want to also mention the Rocket Man teaser. I thought that was actually looked very cool and impressive because that movie's like just started filming a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. It's already have a teaser out. And then the Mortal Engines trailer, 
best one they've put out, I think. It's not really sold in the movie, but I, the world is very interesting. So Does we'll see. Mortal Engines count as fantasy? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll but the rocket, take back that argument. Yeah, the Rocket Man's like psychedelic and um, the way they're uh, portraying how Elton's music is making him and, and the audience yeah. feel is really cool. Like, yeah, you'll flying. float too. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, so let's move on to the five by then to wrap up this episode. That hashtag show report this week that Marvel Studios finished a script for a Dark Avengers movie. Um, there's no word on where this necessarily falls. If this is the project they're immediately going to pick up and you know get a movie going on or if they're just kind of developing the script and they're going to wait on to see if they ever make it or not. Personally, I think a Dark Avengers movie would be a great way to go. It seems like they're probably far away from getting that, at least in some form of the comics where Norman Osborn is leading the team. But I would also love to see like a Denzel Washington as Norman Osborn led, you know, Dark Avengers movie directed by like Antoine Fuqua or something. That's just a hypothetical. But that'd be very cool, especially if like, you know, you do get a introduce like Ares or um, Sentry or you actually do like, you know, the um, character swapped versions of like Hawkeye or miss marvel or whatever like mm-hmm. um there's potential there the um, idea of governments controlling the avengers very interesting to me especially after an avengers 3 avengers 4 world hope that ends up but um we'll see if this happens if it does i'm excited about it i don't know much about the dark avengers other than iron patriot is norman osborne's yep. character mm-hmm. which they've already established as a government controlled or government um entity yeah you know so hmm, interesting we're getting there so i don't know how you make it a full-fledged franchise or anything like that i mean it could just be like the fifth avengers movie potentially oh yeah i don't know yeah it'll be interesting it's it's the idea is like what are you gonna do with this yeah well the dark avengers are formed after the secret invasion happens and norman osborne's led thunderbolts team helps defeat the scrolls so, so there's like, potential like very long game implications if this is true mm-hmm. that this means we're getting a secret invasion storyline relatively soon which makes sense because they're introducing the scrolls in captain marvel and then you know you show secret invasion like avengers 6 and then right after that we get dark avengers or something so uh we'll see if that's actually pans out or not what won't be panning out is a christopher mcquarrie directed man of steel 2 mm-hmm. as he told collider this week quote i don't expect the phone to ring i don't expect that to happen Pretty bummed about this. I feel like Macquarie would make a great Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill. Um, don't know why Warner Brothers wouldn't want him to do this, especially if he's like basically willing and not begging, but he's like, hey, I'll do it. Just give me a call. Yeah. Give him a call, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Um, so this is, this is disappointing news, but hopefully bigger and brighter things are to come from quarry sure oh brighter mission things. impossible 7 8 9 10 exactly <laughs> brighter things for sure um it sounds like it's a studio thing not a yeah like you said, yeah. it's a studio thing not a macquarie thing they don't know what superman man of steel 2 is doing yet no so maybe when they do they give him a call hopefully maybe that's why i said i don't expect that call because they, they don't are know really doing it yeah who knows because Cavill's out or something, <laughs> you know. Um, we got past that. I don't, I, I don't know. Who's we, to say? We have, we have no idea. We do know, thanks to the rap, that Rosie Perez is joined the cast of Birds of Prey. She will play Renee Montoya, who is a Gotham detective who becomes a superhero known as Question. Question. Yes. This movie is all casted up, right? Um, it has four cast members now. We got Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead, mm-hmm. Journey Smollett Bell, and now Rosie Perez. We still need to get a Cassandra Kane. We still need to get a Black Mask and like supporting side characters. Okay. Well, this movie it's is shaping up. Definitely happening. It's oh yeah, more happening than every <laughs> other movie DC's got going. <laughs> that is definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Rosie Perez. Um, I haven't seen her a lot. Only really in um, uh, her first movie that Spike Lee directed. I can't remember the name of it right now, but she was good in it. It's not uh, do the do the right thing. Yes, do yes, the right thing. Yes, that one. Um, yeah, she was good in that movie, and her being a Gotham detective teaming up with the Birds of Prey makes me wonder if because we've heard like that Batman's not operating in the city anymore. Interestingly enough, and uh, if this basically her forming a new team to help Gotham because Batman is slacking. Huh. You think it'll have really good continuity with it? I don't know. That's just my like headcanon of like, okay. well, if you want to connect this, mm-hmm. do it. But they could also just be like, Batman's not around, and then they just don't explain it. Okay. So uh, we also got word this week from Deadline that Army Hammer has joined the cast of Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express sequel, Death on the Nile. He's going to play the male lead. Josh, what do you think of this? Perfect. I mean, Gal Gadot is already perfect. This is even more perfect. Like I said last week or whenever the Gadot casting. Yes. Um, These movies are just a vehicle to get all of the attractive, charismatic (laughs) people in Hollywood into the same movie together to be characters. it It doesn't have to be great. It can be just slightly good and it'll do just fine. And here's another... Arnie Hammer being cast in that just furthers my hypothesis and it's basically now a full-fledged thesis. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is definitely shaping up to be a very star-studded cast. I feel mm-hmm. like even maybe more so than the previous movie and if I counted correctly, this movie has like 13 or 14 characters in it, not including Perot. So <laughs> there's the potential for a very expansive cast and if you're starting off with Hammer and Godot, I feel like that's a great way to start and uh, we'll see how that obviously plays out. Then we also got another report from Deadline that Chris Evans has joined Ryan Johnson's other mur- another murder mystery directed by Ryan Johnson called Knives Out that has already attached Daniel Craig to star. So it's Craig, it's Evans, it's Johnson. It's a great trio. Um, excited mm-hmm. to see Chris Evans join this movie, pair up with Ryan Johnson, do something fun like this. Hopefully he's not the guy that gets killed. <laughs> I want to see him in this movie a lot. Right. Um, but if he's the killer or something, that would be very interesting and entertaining, uh, I think. So yeah. just good on you, Chris Evans. Keep working. Keep doing fun stuff. Right. Um, and parents Ryan Johnson's great. Absolutely. I mean, our favorite people doing characters. That's what we want. I mean, they're always doing characters, mm-hmm. but just like – creating something creating new characters creating something new where you can be like remember how crazy and weird chris evans was in that movie or how you know like that kind of conversational point where we yeah. be like he wasn't captain america in that movie yeah and he can like be a little funny maybe exactly because he's he's, he's he's he is funny he is funny he is super funny but he doesn't and get the chance really great really talented too especially when he's on a mustache he's got the mustache from that new york play Anyway, this I mean, is if good. It's murder mystery, you gotta have a mustache. Absolutely. Maybe he's gonna do the mustache for this. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Craig mustache. I don't know. I don't know if I could buy that. Oh no, Chris Evans could do the mustache. Yeah, no, I'm saying like if you you gotta have a mustache in a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel Craig with a mustache? No. Mm. Chris Evans with a mustache? Yes. 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 <laughs> so it's just sound logic there. Uh, and then we got a report from Variety this week that Sam Claflin and Noah Centineo have joined the cast of Charlie's Angels. Both are expected to be love interests. Josh, what do you make of this 
These two editions, actually. Uh, Noah is terrific. Sam is good. And they're perfect for Charlie's Angels. That's all I really that's all have to that's say. All I really that's all I have to say got. about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're both very handsome, so they'll, they'll fit in just fine with whatever direction Elizabeth Banks is taking these. Yeah. Um, Noah's going to blow up from here after... Um, it's all the boys I loved before. Thank you, yes. Just finished watching that on Netflix, and, and it was amazing. Yeah, it's just like... It is so good. It's really just... Lana Condor needs to get every role. Yeah, she hasn't had anything in a while. They've already cast... The, uh, she's actually starring in a TV show, I think for sci-fi, The Deadly Class, that's produced by the Rooster Brothers. MCU connections. <laughs> it's it's, oh, I know, but we still that. I really mean, she, and she was... I mean, she's, she was in the last X-Men movie as Jubilee for like the two minutes she's on screen. They didn't use her at all. It was very disappointing. Oh, okay. Especially I now. I don't remember. When I watch that movie again, I'm just like, oh, let her, let her do something. Um, but yeah, I think uh, these are both good additions. I'm, uh, Sam Claflin I thought was really good in the Hunger Games movies, and he hasn't really done a lot since, even though he was also great in Adrift right. earlier this year. Um, and then Noah, like I said, great into all the boys love before mm-hmm. if i had to guess i think claflin would be the love interest for kristen stewart and then noah would be the one for uh, ella balinska so if you got to get another one for naomi scott potentially um but we'll see we'll see what happens so then uh the barbie movie we actually have an update on that because i know you guys have all been dying for a barbie movie uh deadline reported this week that margot robbie is being eyed to star in the movie that is now moved to warner brothers instead of sony in the live action barbie movie she is going to replace anne hathaway who replaced amy schumer and then we actually may have a director as well as patty jenkins from wonder woman fame is a you know, reportedly direct or she's being eyed to direct the movie. So Margot Robbie, Patty Jenkins in a live action Barbie movie. That sounds like a pretty great package. Makes me actually kind of interested in her Barbie movie. I want to know what their direction is for the story. Yeah. Um, but you got two talented people working together for the first time. Mm -hmm. That seems cool to me. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of crazy. Like, I mean, the first Barbie movie sounded like it would be PG 13. The first two iterations, I kind of thought. This one seems like it's moving towards PG. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other direction. Oh, yeah, no. An R-rated Barbie movie. <laughs> that wouldn't be Barbie. Like, no. you know, um, I, I think Barbie had to be PG yeah. always, though. Um, I don't know why Amy... Sh- I mean, I just haven't seen any Amy Schumer in anything. PG? Non... PG, PG or uh, PG-13. Oh, no, I can't think of anything. R-rated comics. I'm like, okay, they'll just tone it down a little bit. But it's a kid brand. Yeah. So... It's going to be like legally blonde. I don't know. Like that, that's kind of like the thing I'm getting here, but it's Patty Jenkins. So, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be smarter. Well, I mean, legally blonde is very smart. Yes. But it's going to, you know, there's going to be a very, um, I don't know. It's going to be precise and interesting as well. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that's kind of, that's, whoa. Yeah. They're big news. Yeah. Stacking up on that. So cool. Um, and then lastly here, Rob Downey Jr.'s Dr. Doolittle remake has been pushed, uh, by a pretty significant margin. It was supposed to come out next April and has now been pushed to January 17th, 2020. So it's going to take him a little longer to rile up those animals, I guess. Um, hmm. I don't think that's a great move for this movie. I mean, I could understand why they would do it because this is probably going to get destroyed next april anyways at the box office between like shazam and infinity war or infinity war avengers 4 coming up right after it seems like the right move to make but moving it to january 2020 not doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in the project so uh we will see i hope this movie's great 
because I love Robert Downey Jr. It's got a great voice cast as well, but we'll see how this turns out. Yeah, the RDJ, it's going to completely bank on RDJ nostalgia. Mm-hmm. How desperate are people to see him Which is like you back should, in a movie? Yeah, like, why wouldn't you just like delay it to like August? So that way it's like right after the Avengers 4 hype wears down. It's like, oh, it's coming out on home video and I can see his potentially goodbye cry. And uh, mm-hmm. then you like get everybody in the theater that way instead of waiting so long. I don't know. I don't run the studio. Me neither. But I'm sure they got plans for August that we just don't know about yet. Maybe. So that is all we have for the news. We'll be back next week with a review of Josh's most anticipated movie of the fall, First Man. Yes. I'm very excited. Uh, Damien Chazelle, Ryan Gosling, who some have remarked before I bear a passing resemblance to. So, you oh. know, that makes me excited for this movie uh, <laughs> as well. You know, like, listen, Damien Chazelle's meteoric rise, his career. This, this movie is an analogy for his rise to stardom as a director, um, blasting off into space. You could say Houston, we have liftoff yes. in his career. All systems are nominal. I'm just trying to think of <laughs> on space, space terms. We have we need Houston. Our, we have no problem. Yeah, we need our space lingo. Exactly. I'm gonna have a dictionary. Okay. There'll be, there'll be so many puns. Wait, do I get to review? I do get to review. You got to you got to start off the review next week. Please, yeah. Thank you. Um. Okay. Yes. I'm off to talk after the show. Okay. Anyway, um, I it, I'm just excited for all these reasons. Uh, you could go down the list of the voice cast. Claire Foy looks like she's going to be an Oscar nom. Um, out of this. Uh, Kyle Chandler, he just I like that dude a lot. Yeah, can't wait to see him back in a film. So, all this to say, I'm excited. How about you? I agree. Okay, great. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, First Man's gonna be great, or at least fingers crossed it is. If it's not great, I'll be pretty disappointed. So, no pressure, Damien. All all reviews. Most all, most reviews. All review headlines seem to indicate a good movie. Yes, it just depends on how good mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, like, do they have 30 minutes of American flag stabbing in the moon? <laughs> no. If not, is there a really... three minute sequence of him, you know, planting the flag and then, right. you know, staring at it, saluting, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing, you know, all the patriotic things you need to do? I need the entire national anthem to play yeah. in this movie or else it's just garbage. I need an extended version, actually. Where, where the national anthem plays underneath the entire film. Yes. Now we're talking. Perfect. Because, I mean, it's Chazelle. It's musical. Exactly. So that, that makes, that makes be perfect no sense. Excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're joking. We are obviously joking. Yes. Um, Yes, first man. Well, I mean, yeah, like being Great. satirical here as well. But we can talk about the flag off on my Twitter. Yeah. if Yeah. We'll see how we feel next week when we review first man. Um, we'll also be back this week with a big question touching on Avengers 4 and whether or not it will need to kill the OGs because Chris Evans seemed to send out his goodbye tweet this week and it made me very emotional and I don't, I'm not ready to say goodbye. So we're going to discuss if they have to or not. Um, in this next big question and in the meantime though if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more and plus her iTunes and give us a five-star view with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show so that way other people can find us and see like hey x person enjoys this mm-hmm. so me i will also enjoy this because i like those reasons so it would really help us out and then be sure to touch your thoughts on everything covered by treat us at friends of film you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and coops underscore hoops and you can get at me josh just joshua ryan thanks again for tuning in to the friends of a podcast josh i just want to be clear i love america okay <laughs> be sure to turn next week for our future episodes <laughs>